Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. So we have to just continue to ask our Father to open doors, to to pour His love out on the people that we care about, and to give them a desire. Because if we find ourselves trying to pull them or trying to push them, then many times that's counterproductive. But when they see us, And this is why I want you to shine. This is why I want you to get your personal relationship with God strong. This is why I want you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Because when the people that you care about see it making a positive difference in you, then it's going to make them consider, maybe I need that as well. And that's the greatest way to evangelize. I forget who it was. It was one of the conquerors uh, when, when, you know, the, the world was in the middle of holy wars they were taking over communities and and one of them told his men he said go into the town and lead everyone to christ and use words if you must do you get that this is not about is sometimes people can't hear what you say because what they see is screaming so loudly at them we got to live a life in front of people that would desire them to want what we say is our biggest blessing so let your blessing be on display now, that's not always easy, especially if you got somebody that's just stepping on your nerve all the time. But you got to ask God for strength. Amen? Let's go to the word of the Lord tonight in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. In Proverbs 3, 9, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled, Do Better in 2017. Pray with me, God. Thank you for each person who's come out tonight, Lord. I thank you for the positive testimonies, God. I thank you for the realization that you are our Father and you care about us. God, I pray you care about us now by revealing yourself to us. Teach us by your Spirit from your Word, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Do better in 2017. I think that every time a new year comes around... People have a desire to do better than they've been doing. And I've expressed to you guys before, you don't have to wait until a new year comes around to turn over a new leaf. You don't have to wait until a new year comes around uh, until you decide to put some resolutions together to do better. But I think whatever the resolutions people are, whatever the goals they set at the beginning of a new year, it usually encompasses some form of betterment, some form of doing something better, getting better in some capacity, uh, seeing something about their life or someone they care about life get better. So I think it's safe to say that all of us want to do better in 2017. I've said this for many years and many times in many different ways because I believe it with everything in me that every child who truly loves their father wants their father to be proud of them. And if you are truly a born-again Christian, I know the Bible says that God is your heavenly Father. And you should, as his child, want him to be proud of you. So we ought to know just off the bat that we need to do better. We need to make better choices. We need to glorify God better. We need to represent him better. And I am really desiring to do better every day. I say you don't have to wait till the new year. But one good thing about the new year is because of the culture that we live in because of the country that we live in because of the much ado that is made about new year's resolutions and turning over new leaves and it's a new season and it's you know all the newness that people promote whenever we have an opportunity to do something in the spirit realm that we've been prepped for psychologically in our entire lives in the natural realm There's a synergistic effort that can catapult you forward more so than doing those things separately. If you try just to move forward in the natural because it's a new year and you want to do better, that's going to get you to a certain level. If you try to move forward spiritually uh, because you just desire to move forward spiritually, then that's going to get you to a certain level. But when you allow this synergistic 
coming together of this natural and this spiritual element of a new year with a new mindset for Christ, then I believe you can not just move forward, but you can catapult. And I want to believe God for skipping some tests in 2017. I want to believe God for jumping some grades in 2017. I want to skip forward over some hurdles in 2017. I want some meritorious promotions in 2017. I want to be able to, to have that type of favor on my life, and you need to want that too. So as we look at the scripture in verse 9, the word says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. I really, I don't try to argue with God, but I always double check if I ever believe the Lord wants me to talk about finances, especially on a Sunday. Because I know we're going to have more people here on a Sunday morning. And I know there's going to be many people here that don't really walk close to God on a Sunday morning. But if we want to do better financially, and I think we all do, then we need to understand biblical principles. One, one man, uh, a guy named Dave Ramsey, who's a financial guru that works inside the kingdom and deals with a lot of churches, he says that he believes that most people don't do right with their money as far as their tithes and their offerings because they don't know. They haven't been taught. He thinks there's a lack of teaching biblically in the church about money. Well, the reason, if that's true, that there's a lack of teaching biblically about money in the church is because every preacher knows if I even say money, if I even say a word that rhymes with money, if I, if I say a, a word that's synonymous with money, somebody's going to say, there I go to church again, always talking about money. But there are biblical principles that I have used over my life that have allowed me um, to watch the Lord just pour out financial blessings on me. I can remember, and here's the cool thing, and, th and this is why it's okay for us not to agree on everything as long as we agree on Jesus, because I've learned some of the deepest lessons of my life from some of the flakiest people I've ever met. I don't know if you remember that dude, Victor, who was wearing little tassels on his belt and wanting everybody to blow the shofar and leading churches away from the cross and into the Passover feasts and festivals, but he was the first person that ever told me that I should not have a mortgage. Because he was saying something about following the word and pastors need to lead examples and pastors don't need to be in debt. I said, well, you're thinking about the wrong guy. I mean, I, I'm, I don't have debt. I don't have credit card debt. I, I write checks for my cars. I don't, I don't, I don't live off credit. I, don't, I mean, I live below my means. Um, and he's like, do you have a house payment? I'm like, well, of course. Everybody's got a house payment. He said, I don't. And this guy's younger than me. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem normal. That doesn't seem right. Everybody's got a house payment. And he said, and, and I listen, I don't believe having a house payment is wrong. He did. I don't. I, believe, I, don't have, I don't believe having debt is wrong if it's manageable, if it's within your means to fulfill it. If it doesn't stress and strain you, then I don't believe that God is upset with you. If it keeps you up late at night and you're worrying about it, well, then you probably need to adjust your standard of living. If you can't do what you want to do, then you probably need to adjust your standard of living. But... Um, I began to believe God, and it took a couple times. You know, you gotta you gotta buy a house. Oh well, you don't have to. But one of the primary ways people accomplish by paying uh, cash for a house, you you buy a house, you live in it, you sell it, you make some money off that. You buy another house, you live in that one, you sell it, you make money off that uh, until you got enough money to downsize significantly. Um, the house I'm living in now is over 2,000 square feet smaller than the house I was living in before. I'm living in the house I'm living in now. So when you get ready to not have a house payment anymore, you got to be willing to downsize to the point where you can say, all right, well, now I can finally do this. I told you guys on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights I was going to share some things with y'all that God has put in me and worked through me over the last 35 years that have allowed me uh, to grow closer to him and to be blessed. And I want to tell you, we need to think about our finances. And so as I was praying this week on what to talk about tonight, God led me to some of these verses I'm going to share with you. Uh, and I don't want you to think the way lost people think. I don't want you to let the devil get in your mind thinking about the church is talking about finances. No, the Bible talks about finances. And I'm just telling you what the book says because that's what my job is, to teach the whole counsel of God. But here's the reality. I want you to be blessed. 
I want you to have a pocket full of money. I want you to have a paid-for house and paid-for cars. I want you to have enough money in the bank to where if you didn't work for the next six months, you wouldn't have to freak out that you'd have all your bills covered. I want you to position yourself financially to where finances is not a strain for you because I have been in abundance and I have been in lack. I've been rich and I've been poor, and I can tell you rich is easier. Rich don't solve everything. Um, but the Bible says it answers everything. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said money answers everything. I've told y'all before, JEA wants your money. Clay Electric wants your money. Ford Motor Company wants your money. Whoever your car bill is, whoever your mortgage company, Bank of America, every bank wants your money. And so when money is not an issue to you, then you can focus on things other than that. And a lot of people think wrongly that people that have money are greedy and materialistic. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're just wise. Sometimes they just walk in biblical principles and God blesses them. It doesn't make you greedy or materialistic to have money. And it doesn't mean that you're humble and godly because you're broke. Sometimes people are broke because of bad choices. And I don't want you to be stressed out because of money. I'm going to be talking a lot about being healthy in 2017. And from a whole man perspective, a whole woman perspective of overall health, physical health, spiritual health, relational, emotional, financial health. And I want to get this out of the way, uh, broach this subject with you guys, because hopefully the people that come on Wednesday night are a little bit more in tune with honoring God and being serious about following his word. But he said that if you honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce, or he tells you to do that. Verse 9 is a command, to honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, if we say we honor the Lord, we have to honor him with something because this is showing us how to honor the Lord. You honor the Lord with something. You honor the Lord with your lifestyle. You honor the Lord with the words you speak. You honor the Lord with the thoughts you think. You honor the Lord with your actions. You honor the Lord by how you spend your time. You honor the Lord by how you care for what he's entrusted you with because the Bible says that once we become Christians, we no longer own anything. We just manage things. They're not our children. They're the Lord's children. He just gave them to us to manage them. It's not our money. It's the Lord's money. It's not our homes, houses, or cars. It's the Lord's. Everything belongs to the Lord, and we're just managers, or the King James Version says stewards. But this verse tells us to honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, a poor person might read that. I got to shift my weight around a lot when my back is hurting me. Don't mind me standing up. People, I know people are thinking, why does he get up and get down and keep moving that chair? Um, a lot of poor people read that word wealth and think, well, this verse don't apply to me because I don't have any wealth. I, ba I barely got poverty. I heard a comedian say one time that he had something that money couldn't buy. Poverty. And I thought, well, you're absolutely right. And that's funny as all day long because money can't buy poverty. But a lot of people see this word wealth, and it's not talking about wealth like, um, you know, Bill Gates' wealth, not like Warren Buffett' wealth. It's talking about your finances, the amount that you have. It, that's your wealth. You might feel broke, but it's still your wealth. You might only have $3 to your name. That's what your wealth is. Somebody else's wealth is different, but we have to honor the Lord with what we have, but not just what we have, with the best part of everything that we produce. Now, that's an agricultural community, so they spoke in agricultural terms. It, we don't really look at it. Well, I mean, some people might. I mean, you know, I, I know you want him to produce an income. You want him to produce a check. You want him to have work lined up. And we don't really think about it as what we produce. We think about it as what we earn or what we bring home or what we make. But we've got to, if we really want to do better financially, we've got to obey what God says about finances. And I want to see you have enough money to where you don't have to worry about money and to where you can be a blessing to other people. Because I do believe that God blesses us to be a blessing. And some of you would like to be a blessing. Some of you would like to be able to write a check and pay off mom's house. Some of you would like to be able to write a check and pay for somebody's college. Some of you would like to be able to pay off a bill for somebody and get them out from under distress. But you got to be blessed to be a blessing. And God says that the way to do that, the way to honor him in this area of money is by giving the best part of everything that you, that you make, that you bring in, that you produce. Now, you got to decide in your own mind, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you honoring the Lord with everything that comes your way? All of your income, 
He says, then. Now, I try to get you guys conditioned to think like I think when I read the Bible because it'll help you to, to figure out what it's saying because it's cool to read the Bible, but you've got to figure out what it's saying. You've got to understand it, and then you have to apply it. Just reading it is only one step. Reading it with comprehension, understanding what it says, is the second step. But the final step is when you can apply it to your life. So I try to give you guys keys and place things in your head. Let's see how good you guys are following. Verse 10 says, then. When is then? Then is always after. After what? After you've honored the Lord with the best, not your less. See, what most people do is look at their budget and figure out how much I got left over to give God. Or most people look in their purse and say, I got a 20, a 5, and three ones. Now, hey, y'all know how that's going to go down, right? That 20 is not coming out of that purse for most people. The five may or may not come out. One of those ones is probably coming out. But that's how most people give in church. It's incredible. We used to give in the little envelopes behind, in, behind the chair pockets. And some people still give in those. And we used to make people bring their offering. Because there's a verse of Scripture that says bring your offering. A lot of churches pass the bucket like we do. And some people let folk bring their offering. We used to stand up front with the buckets and let people bring. And everybody would put their money in the little envelope. You know why they put it inside that little envelope? Because you wouldn't see that it was a wadded up $1 bill or you wouldn't see there was nothing in there and people putting blank envelopes in the offering bucket just so they could walk by and act like they are putting something in the plate. That's not giving the Lord the best. And if you want to do better financially in 2017, you're going to have to do what God says to do so you can have what he says you can have. He said then, after you've honored him with your finances is a better word for wealth because it's not about the amount of it it's about what you have after you've honored the lord with the money you have by giving the best that you have then he will fill your barns with grain and notice the bible is a specific book it says he will fill your barns with grain so who's filling your barns with grain god if you do what verse 9 says we're all trying to get our barns full Everybody wants milk in the refrigerator. Everybody wants cereal in the pantry. Everybody wants to have some lunch meat in, in the refrigerator. Everybody's got to have some food. you got to have some heat, some air conditioning, whatever it is you've got to have. Everybody's got to have what, what they need to have. So we're trying to fill up our own barns when we need to change that and let God fill it up. Who can do better, us or God? Absolutely, every time. Then then is after, after you do verse 9, God says he'll fill your barns with grain. Listen, if God fills your barns, then they're full because God doesn't do, do things wrong. See, if you try to fill up your barn, it's not going to be, you know, fantastic because you've only got so much you can put in it, and you can only put in it what you've got. But if God decides to fill your barn, it's like if you told me, Scott, Pastor Scott, can you uh, come fill up my pantry with some groceries? I bring you what I got. I, I, I don't know that it's going to be full, but if God says, I'm coming over to fill up your pantry, you can be sure when God leaves, your pantry will be full. Okay? So when God does something, it's better than when we do something. And he says then, after doing verse 9, God makes a promise in verse 10 that he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, it's, alcoholics remember certain verses in the Bible, and this is one of them. See, the Bible talks about good wine. Well, there's good wine and there's bad wine. My sister, the fantastic Christian godly woman that she is, uh, church, church leader and administrator and Christian author, uh, prayer warrior, she led me into most of the evil that I've ever done. Specific, she led me into all, well, not, not all the drugs that I did, but she, she, she was the, she was the, she was the uh, she was the bridge. She was the gateway to to all that. She I did my first drugs because my sister told me to. I got drunk uh, my first time because my sister told me to. So y'all take that up with her. Um, God has forgiven her for that, um, and it's just part of my testimony at this point. But there is good wine. So if there's good wine, there's probably what bad wine. Well, my sister. I don't know if she was stealing it or just buying it, but it led me to steal it because she would have Mad Dog 2020 in her car. Mogan David 2020. Anybody remember what that bottle was shaped like? 
slim and wide. And you could slip it down your pants. You could go into the Jiffy store, just slip a bottle of MD Mad Dog 2020 and walk out. And so that's what we would do. And she had a friend that ran a convenience store and told her, y'all can come in here and steal whatever y'all want to as long as you don't take the sunglasses because the sunglasses were being put by a vendor that she liked. So, you know, my sister led me into thievery as well, but that's a whole different story for another night. Listen, if you're poor or you have to steal wine to drink it because you're a teenager without a job and just on a hustle, MD-2020 is not good wine. It's not. We graduated, and then I thought, okay, well, I don't know nothing about wine. Obviously, I don't know nothing. I'm, I'm the younger brother. She's older, more successful. So she started drinking Boone's Farm Tickle Pink. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess you can't put that bottle down your, down your pants. You've got to have to pay $4 for that. Um, but that was not good wine. And God says that he will overflow your vats with good wine. Now, you can get focused on the wine part, or you can realize it's just referencing a necessity. Because in those days, just like Paul, this was way before Paul, but even from this time all the way past Paul's time, they would, God told Paul to tell Timothy, take some wine. But he said, for your stomach's sake, because of your often infirmity. Timothy got so radically saved, he decided that because he heard the word of the Lord said, don't let anything control you. When the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not a discourse on drinking. That's a discourse on not allowing anything to control you. Don't let medicine control you. Don't let emotions control you. Don't, don't become under the influence of anything other than God. So Timothy decided he was cutting out all wine because it takes control of you. And you start to lose some of your faculties to the wine if you drink too much of it. Well, the problem with this period and Timothy's period was their water was contaminated. And that's why Paul said, look, boy, you got to drink some wine for your stomach's sake because you're sick. Every time I see you, you got dysentery. You can't stand at a preaching meeting no time because you got to go take a poop all the time because it's running through you. So get some good wine and drink it. It's not about, oh, this says I can go out and get some wine. No, he's talking about what you need as a necessity, food and drink, grain and wine. Well, I don't have any grain that I know of in my pantry. Um, I guess there's grain in my uh, premium saltine crackers. There's got to be something in there. Uh, but I don't have bags of grain in my pantry. And I don't have any wine in my pantry. But we have to have necessities. And God says he will fill your life up with good stuff. But you got to do what verse 9 says. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider... If there's a possibility, and remember this, and hopefully one day I'll get to the point where I don't feel, you know, the, 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 the judgment, the chastisement of people. I'm not saying this for me. I will get the same check next week that I got this week, that I got last week. It's the same check I've been making for over 10 years. I'm going to get the same check no matter what the offering is, period. If it's the biggest offering we ever took up, my check doesn't increase by a penny. If it's the smallest offer we've ever took up, my check doesn't decrease by a penny. I don't get any money out of the bucket. I know pastors that do that. It's a federal crime to do that. It's against the law to take money out of a bucket of a nonprofit organization. That money has to be deposited into a nonprofit account and tracked federally by the IRS so they can keep track of every penny that comes in. So don't think preachers... Uh, well, some preachers preach because, and I know guys, and they tell me, they take out of the bucket what they need that week and leave the rest for the church. That's a crime. We don't do that here. So don't ever think that I'm saying this for my sake. I'm saying this for your sake. I want you to let God start filling up your stuff. I want God to start blessing you, but you got to bless him to get blessed. If you like to read and you're willing to read a book, I'll, I'm, I'm going to start recommending more books in 2017. I'm going to start recommending books that I believe will help you outside the Bible. Uh, there's a book written by Jack Hayford called The Key to Everything is Giving. I've talked about that book many times over the last 20 years since the first time I read that book. Um, phenomenal book and where he says the key to everything is giving. He prefaces by saying people think I'm talking about money, and I am, but I'm also talking about friendship. If you want more friendship, you have to give friendship away. If you want more joy, you have to give joy away. 
If you want more laughter, you have to give laughter away. If you want more mercy and grace, you have to give away mercy and grace. If you want more help, you've got to give away help. And if you want more money, guess what you have to give away? And that's what people get tight on. But I want to share some verses with you that can give you an idea of what God's concept is about money. Proverbs 11.25 says the generous will prosper. Semicolon. Stop on that. Pause on the punctuation. Take the scripture in bite-sized pieces so you can understand it. The generous will prosper. I love being generous. I, I love being generous because I like to help people. I want to be a blessing, and I love to be able to turn it around and give God the glory for it. There have been uh, many times in my life where I'll leave a $100 tip on a $9 lunch, and that'll get people's eyes open. And people come crying and weeping um, and, and just, you know, freaking out and not wanting to accept it. But it always comes back. Generosity comes back. See, we live in a world where there are some universal laws. And reciprocity is a universal, unconditional law that's going to happen. What you put out is going to come back on you. What you in some kind of way, it might not be the only thing that comes back on you. You might put out eggs and get back cheese. You might put put it put out green and get back red. But it's eventually, if you put out enough green, green is going to come back. And if you put out enough eggs, eggs are going to come back. But the Bible's promise is that the generous will prosper. You want to prosper. Trust me about that. You do. No matter how humble you are, no matter how much you don't want excess, you don't have to want a Lamborghini or a Bentley or a Bugatti just to want to prosper. You just want to be able to have your bills paid and be able to bless some folk around you. That, that's common sense. So you need to be able to prosper. Well, God's promise of prosperity is to the generous. And I want you to think, what, what, what's a good word for opposite of generous? Stingy, I like that. Stingy. So take those two concepts, because these are words we can understand as middle-class Americans. Stingy and generous. And I want you to look at the areas of your life that matter to you and grade yourself. Are you stingy or are you generous with the love that you give to other people? Because don't you want those that you love to love you back? Don't you want your relationship to prosper? Well, then you, you got to decide, am I stingy with my love or am I generous with my love? Because God only blesses, God only prospers the generous. God don't prosper the stingy. There's no verse in the Bible that says God prospers the stingy. But is there a verse, right? Look, is there a verse that says God prospers the generous? God prospers the generous. This is what Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 tells us. He said, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The key to everything is giving. You want your love to blossom? You, you, you want your, your marriage to blossom? I mean, this, this, this is practical advice right here for many people. Uh, and I know you know it. And I know you're working on it um, and living that life. But if you want whatever it is you want to prosper, you better check and make sure. Are you being generous in that area yourself? If you want your money to prosper, are you a generous person? If, if, if you, whatever it is that you want. You got to understand, God refreshes those who refresh others. It's called the law of reciprocity. In the church lingo, we say you reap what you sow. You can't, you, you, you harvest whatever it is that you plant. But I want you to familiarize yourself with this concept. God's word says the generous will prosper. Now I've had people ask me, why, why do you, and typically, um, I tip in reverse. Who, who, who do y'all think makes, makes better tips at big restaurants? Smoking hot, gorgeous, young, good-looking women or old uh, single mothers that are haggard and wore out looking? Y'all don't think it matters? Y'all don't think businessmen go in there and it don't matter? No, I, I, I big tip in the reverse. I, let, me, let me get a woman that looks tired. Let me get a woman in her 50s standing on her feet at the Waffle House. Uh, that look like she's on her last leg, that's who to get the $100 from me. I ain't trying to impress no gold digger with my money, okay? So I, I, I tip in the reverse. But when you see somebody, and I've had people ask me, why, why do you do that? Do you just do that to try to impress them? Do you do that so you can brag about it from the pulpit? No, I do it because I know that $100 is going to mean a whole lot more to her than it could ever mean to me. I know it's, a difference ma it's not a difference maker for me, but it's a difference maker for her. 
and that's why I do it. And that God refreshes me at a level I refresh other people. Here's good, here's good or bad news for you. God refreshes you at the level you refresh other people. So you need to find out, are you a generous or a stingy person with your time, your treasure, your talent, your love, your friendship? You, you, want, you want your, People love to talk about when they're friends, ain't keeping it real, ain't being 100, ain't ride or die. Well, how, how 100 are you? Are, are you really for real? I'm going to tell you, Stacey, you blessed me so much the other day, man, when we got to spend some time together um, outside of here. Uh, because, you know, just opening up and being honest and, and, and being a friend and being a brother, that, that means more to me than all the messages I'll ever preach. That means more to me than all the ministry that I could ever do because there are some really solid people in the world. But, you know, part of being a solid friend is speaking up when you have something to say. Part of being 100 and keeping it real is speaking up. See, because here's what most fake, phony, sloppy living people do. They just disappear, leave mad, just talk about you like a dog, act like, you know, I was her friend and she blah, 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 blah. Well, they wasn't no good friend and they stepped up and saved the thing. Okay? In your friendship, are you generous? In your parenting, in, in, your, in your whatever it is, gauge yourself. If you don't start self-analyzing, you're never going to move forward. If you want to lose weight, you got to weigh yourself, see where you're making progress. If you want to run two miles, you want to get that two miles down under 14 minutes, you got to get a watch on it. Six, not two miles, one mile. Oh, four to six miles. I, I'm talking about six-minute six miles. That's a bunch. Now that, that, that's more than your daughter's running. Um. Well, I hated running. Every day in the Army, we ran two miles every day, five miles on Friday. It was disastrous. But if you want to, and we ran miles in formation at seven-minute mile clip while singing. That, that's picking them up and putting them down. Trust me about that. You, you, run, you run two miles in 14 minutes. That's picking them up, putting them down. That's not a fast race, but that's a good little jog. Um, but if you want to increase your speed, you have to measure it. If you want to do better, you've got to be willing to self-analyze. People who aren't into self-analysis don't really care about improvement. And I'm looking for improvement in 2017, and I want you to start gauging your generosity level. Some people, it's just almost impossible for them to listen to somebody else without talking. I can be as guilty as that anybody because I always have 500 things in my head at one time. I always got 50 different things that I know I got to get to. So when somebody's telling me something, sometimes I'll be guilty of jumping in before they're ready for me to jump in, answering the question before they ask it. The Bible says there's a foolish person that answers a question before it's asked. And I'm as guilty of that as anybody. The, the, you know, I, because I'm a single parent, because I have businesses outside the church, because I have a church to oversee, because I got a life to live, a lot of times, somebody will be trying to tell me something, and I'll be trying to listen. I'll be trying to get to the end before they even get to the middle. That's not being generous with my time. And that may be why my weeks run short sometimes. That may be why I find myself playing catch-up, because I have to learn how to self-analyze. And I, I have to learn that when somebody's talking to me, i got to sit down, shut my brain off, stop thinking about the nine things that's ahead of me to do, and listen to what this brother or sister in Christ in front of me has to say right now because that's what God's allowing to happen right now. Are you following me? Are you generous with conversation? Are you a generous listener? Self-analysis. Let's move on. I got a couple more verses I want to share with you. These are verses we all know or many of us have been familiar with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, some New Testament teaching on giving. The Scripture says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop period. So if you only plant a few seeds, what kind of crop do you get? Small. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So if you plant a little, you get a little. If you plant a lot, you get a lot. Verse 7 says you must each decide in your heart how much to give, period. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, period. I don't believe this is referring to the tithe because God has already solidified the tithe. God has already commanded that we 
bring to him the first tenth of everything that we have. That's not giving, that's owed. God blessed you to get up and work. God blessed you to have a job. God blessed you to bring income in. That's owed. You owe the tithe, you give the offering. You haven't been giving, you haven't been generous. You can't say, I'm generous to the Lord because I, I give 10% of my income. No, that, that, that's expected. This is talking about on top. That's why they say tithes and what? Offerings. This is talking about the offering. The tithe is not negotiable. Now, if you're not giving the tithe, if you're not paying the tithe, then you got some work to do, but you got to work that out with the Lord. All of us are in our process, and all of us have areas of struggle. Okay? So don't feel, don't, don't feel like you're better than somebody else because you give the tenth and they don't. But in regard to the offering, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. It's a matter of the heart. Giving is a matter of the heart. Stingy people don't get nothing in return. Generous people get prosperity. Now, so if I tell, if you really believe that, if you really believe, I'm going to double whatever you give tonight. If I just told you straight out, whatever you put in the bucket, I'm going to double it. How much of what you have on you would you put in the bucket? It needs to be all of it. If you, if you have a 20 and a 5, and I say I'm going to double whatever you give, and you give me the 5, you are not good with money. You should give me the 20 and the 5 and ask for your 50 back. If you believe that God is going to bless what you're generous with, there's going to be no limit to your blessing. There's going to be no limit to how generous you are because you believe that God is going to prosper your generosity. But that's something that you have to decide in your own heart. The Scripture goes on, verse 7, to say, And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And I say this many times, not through quoting it, but just by alluding to it during our offering. Don't give because I'm asking you to give. Give if you want to. Don't if you don't want to. Don't give because some preacher stands up there and says, we, we, I've been in churches where they count the offering and come back in at the back row and be like, and guess what the preacher does at that point? Take another offering. You say, no way. Way. All the time. Two and three offerings. And they pressure people. And I've been in churches where they preach the offering. And I've been in pastor conferences where people have said, oh, you got to have Bishop so-and-so come preach up your offering. Can't nobody preach up an offering like Bishop. Preach up an offering? That's pressure. That's manipulation. God is not going to respond to that. And you can't trick God by saying, I don't want to really give this, but I'm going to give it and make God bless me. You can't trick God like that. This is a, this is a heart matter. He said, for who, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I can tell you this. If you ever start giving through obedience, one day you'll start giving cheerfully. You might not, you might not be able to pay the tithe cheerfully right now. It might be a struggle and a strain for you. But once God starts blessing that tithe and starts overflowing you with money, then you're going to be excited about giving. We had a woman in our church one time who was one of the biggest givers in our church, and her husband didn't come to church, and he was no kind of Christian at all. Uh, but he knew her stand. She gave a lot of money, and God just always blessed them. Business deal after business deal, money after money, always just flowing in. She was serious about giving, and, and he gave her, she ran the money in the house, and I don't believe that the man has to run the money in the house. If the woman is better with finances, y'all are a partnership, let the woman do what she's best at. If the man's a better cook, let the man cook. If the woman's better with getting the bills paid, let the woman pay the bills. But she ran the bills in the house, and he'd give her his check, and make sure you get to put that in the, in the bucket. Um, and... One time they, something happened, the money was getting a little low, and her testimony was, I got rebuked by my husband. He asked me, am I giving enough money to the church because his bank account was getting short. This by a non-believer. But he knew. He knew this thing was working because it had been working for them for years. So this non-believer was cheerful about his wife giving his money to the church. If you can't give cheerfully, give out of obedience, and when that money starts flowing back to you, when you start casting it out there and it starts returning tenfold, thirtyfold, fiftyfold, some a hundredfold, then you're going to be excited. Let's go. On, let's get past this preaching and get to the offering because I'm ready. I'm ready to double up my money this week. I'm ready to get my blessing on. Verse eight says, "And God will generously provide all you need." I have heard preachers preach this verse to try to make church folk think that God was going to take care of every need that they had. This verse is not to every Christian in the world. This verse is for those who are, have done what verse 6 and verse 7 say. 
if you are a cheerful giver, if you are planning the right crop, if you've decided in your heart to be a cheerful giver, then God will generously provide all you need. You need to be able to hold God accountable to this scripture. You need to be able to know in your mind that God never lies and God always tells the truth. And I believe everything, every need that I have in my life that God will generously provide for everything that I need. I don't doubt that. I don't worry about money because I'm always going to give. I give first. I've said it many times, and, and I meant it. I don't say it just to hear myself saying it. People make all these excuses. My children would have went without diapers before the church would have went without the tithe. My children would have went without electricity before the church went with it. I am sold out and dedicated to paying the tithe to the Lord's church because God said it's holy unto him and that if you take it, you've stolen from God. Wherefore have you robbed me, God said, in tithes and offerings? And he said he'll blow on your money and make it go away. And I'm not trying to have God blow on my money. I am sold out to allowing God to generously provide for everything I need. That's why I give cheerfully. He said, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's a great place to be. Most people trying to make their money stretch to the whole end of the month. And if that's your mindset, you probably run out of money before you run out of month. Too much month at the end of the money. But if you will reverse your mindset about finances and you will position yourself to be biblical in your giving, be generous in your giving, be cheerful in your giving, be a blessing. God says you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You say, well, pastor, does that mean I'm doing something wrong if I don't have everything I need and plenty left over to share with others? Probably. Because God's promises are true. This doesn't mean you won't have seasons of struggle and seasons of up and seasons of down. Everything in life is cyclical. You're going to have better months, better years, lean, fat. It's always going to be that way. But overall, you should be living life where you have all your needs covered and enough to share. That's how we want to be. I mean, when we have potluck, when we have dinner here, when we have family meal here, you ought to be glad if you can bring a dish. That ought to be a blessing to you. If, 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 if you can't, don't feel no shame on it. Come. But if you can bring a dish, if you can make something and, and bring it and bless others with it, know that they got to eat something that you prepared out of your hand or even that you bought at Winn-Dixie. It's a blessing to bless other people. It makes you feel good when you've got something left over to share with somebody else. See, when the world was a better place to live, everybody took care of everybody. And when, 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 when they had it, they shared it. And when they had it, they shared it. And everybody was okay. But then the, the Smiths started trying to keep up with the Joneses. And then the Joneses just decided, we ain't having them Smiths up with us. We got to stay ahead of them. And people started getting greedy and building bigger houses and driving bigger cars and deciding I got to have more than my neighbor. And then the people that had plenty didn't do what the end of it says. They had plenty. But they didn't share with others. Don't ever think that if God starts pouring finances on you, that it's just for you to stack up and say, look at my bank account. If you can't be a funnel, don't expect God to trust you with money. I believe God wants us to be a funnel when it comes to money. God wants to pour money into you and just have you pour it out. The faster you pour it out, the more he's going to pour in. Because God blesses generous people. I wonder if you really want to get to that place. I know a part of you wants to be like, man, I sure wish I had all my needs met and plenty left over to share with others. We can get there then. In the middle of that verse says then. Then is after. After we do what we got to do. There's a lot of areas that I need to get better in, and I want you to pray for me. Maybe you need to get better in giving. I'll pray for you. I think God's made giving easier. I read a lot. My kids come home. I try to be home before my kids come home, and they want to know what I, what I do today. Jake asked me today. I said, same thing I did yesterday. He said, read? I said, yeah, primarily 
biggest part of my job. The Bible says that I should give myself to prayer and study of the Scripture. So my kids know where to find me. They know I'm in my room reading. Um, but no matter how much I read, no matter how much I pray, I never can really fully feel like I prayed enough today. I could have prayed more is what I always think. I never really feel like I read enough Scripture today. I always think, well, I could have read more. I never feel like I said enough encouraging words today. I could have said more. Because there's, there's no amount on those things. God didn't give me an amount. He didn't say read an hour a day, pray an hour a day. He didn't say encourage five people a day. He didn't, he didn't make that easy on me. So I got to go out there and just do all I can and, and, and believe that God will honor it. But he made giving easy. See, some people say it's hard to give 10%. I believe God made giving easier than anything else because he knew we'd struggle with it. Until you get to the cheerful part, you'll struggle with it. So he gave us the only mathematical equation he gave us for servitude. He didn't tell us how many songs to sing a day. He didn't tell us how many prayers to pray a day. He told us to give 10%. You know if you gave 10%, you are justified in your tithe. And you give an offering on top of that, no matter how small it is, God's going to bless it and increase it. Maybe you're not there. Try to get there in 2017 because I want to see you at a place where you got all your needs met and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's why we, now don't tell everybody because I don't know. I think it's been a while since we told anybody no. But as a church, we have, what, we're, we're what society, you can't tell by looking here, but we're what society considers a, a medium-sized church. We have a lot of people with need. And so we're a helpful church. We're not going to let you come here and, and love God with us and serve God with us and help us. And then you fall on a, on a, on a time and, and need some money. We're not going to let you just be out there on your own. We're a family. You, 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 you be there for us. We'll be there for you. So when somebody comes and they're like, you know, I want to, you know, I don't want to ask, but I need a little help. Can you help me? Well, first thing I consider is have they helped us? Because you reap what you sow. Second thing, and, and, and Dina already knows, first thing I'm going to ask, somebody comes with a benevolence request, they, uh, she's going to ask me, uh, should, do I authorize the church to make payment on it? First thing I want to know is what's, what's the giving report look like? They ever give us anything? Because if they never gave us anything and they never served God with us, worshiped God with us, if they ain't involved in ministry anywhere, then they have to go to a different step. Then they have to sit down and talk to me for an hour before we give them the money. We still give them the money, but they got to come in and sit down and talk to me for an hour. And you probably really don't want that. You don't want me telling you why you're broke uh, because I got your giving record here in front of me and you've given $20 into six years. You've been claiming that this is your church and you only come about three times a month on a good month and once a, once a quarter on a bad quarter. But we're going to give you the money anyway. And I keep telling them that while I got the check already written out. I'm, we're going to give you the money before we leave. That way they'll get up and walk out and say, I don't need your money. I had that happen too. Uh, some folk just can't be blessed. But with a church the size of ours, even people who do right with their money are sometimes going to fall on a special need. And I want to tell you this. We're here for who's here for us. When you take up money, when we take up money in here, it's never so me or the staff can get a bigger paycheck. Our, our checks are set by the board year after year. So the checks, the, the offering and the tithes that we take up, or so when one of our family, church family, needs groceries, you gave enough money, we had left over, we can give it to them. Need a light bill paid, you gave enough money, we have left over, so we can give it to them. That's why we take up money. Ministry costs money, but I want us to get to the place where we all have everything we need and plenty left over to share with others. You've got to be willing to share it, though. I used to tell the men in men's uh, meeting every Tuesday night, don't ask me to pray for you about something you ain't praying for. And don't come in here expecting these brothers to pray for you and you don't pray for nobody. We're in this together. Well, let's decide to be in it together. Give when you can. Serve when you can. Get involved when you can. I give you one ghettoism and we'll go. Now, I've had people tell me, that's just so rude. Well, certain things speak to me. Let me see if you can finish this for me. You got to get in where you, 
Dina's shaking her head. You got to get in where you fit in. And that's the truth. When it comes to your servitude to God, you need to get in where you fit in. If you can sing, get to singing. If you can play, get to playing. If you care about hungry people, get him food and clothing. If you got a heart for hurting people, get him food and clothing. If you like to pray, get involved in our prayer ministry and let us fill your prayer book up with requests for the church. If you, if you care about young people, take a turn up there with Deacon Keon and Lauren up there by themselves de- dealing with these teenagers every week. If you um, care about safety and consciousness and God is, has given you um, uh, an able body where you can at least dial 911 if you see somebody doing something wrong, take a turn sitting in with our children's church on a Sunday morning. We, we need chaperones over there. We got Crystal in there with 30 kids. What happens when somebody starts, you know, cussing and screaming and hollering and throwing stuff? Take a turn. Get in. You fit in somewhere, but you got to learn to get in where you fit in. Maybe you don't have it right now and you're struggling with your finances. Make sure you're doing what you can do. That's why I always say, come when you can, pray for us when you can. If we all do what we can do, we will always have everything we need. We are going to be a church that takes care of each other. Y'all take care of me and my children. I work outside the church, but I also, I also get a check from the church. And that's why, I don't, that's why I say I can't remember the last person we turned away. I have made some of them sit through some pretty grueling sessions to get that light bill paid, but it kind of keeps them from doing it again. Please be here for us, and please let us be here for you. When you need something, if you've been faithful, God is going to put faithful people around you. You reap what you sow. I want to see you do better in 2017. I want 2017 to be the best year you've ever had from a health perspective, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. People measure a lot by finances. Start checking your generosity. Get generous with all aspects of your life and watch God bless you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the practicality of your scripture. Father, I pray that you would help us to walk in obedience so that you can bless your children. Father, I know that there are people that struggle financially. Lord, I pray that you would let those of us who can give more so that those of us in need will never be turned away. God, I pray that you would let us get in where we fit in. Father, I pray that you would allow us to use our gifts and our talents for your glory. Thank you, God, for each person that calls this their church. Help us, God, to honor you and your church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.